Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous broadcast, I was referring to John chapter 14, verse 15, where the Lord Jesus said that if you love me, keep my commandments. And I was referring to this verse in the context that many people will look at this verse and say that we are truly to live a life now that we are saved. We are to live a life of obedience to the commandments of the Lord Jesus. If we do that, then we will demonstrate that we truly love our God. And as we continue to read in the Gospel of John into chapter 15, he said in addition to this that if we do keep his commandments, then we will abide in his love. And if we abide in his love, then his fruit will be manifested within and through us in our lives. This is what the Lord Jesus was describing in John chapter 14 and 15. And in the previous broadcast, I was explaining in detail that you will never, ever be able to obey the commandments of God. And because you will never obey the commandments of God, his fruit will never be manifested within your life. You will never abide in his love. You will never know what his love is for you. You will never be a friend of God. You will never experience a dynamic, interactive relationship with your God. That's why he said this. He said this to show us that we would never be able to experience a relationship with him through our obedience to his commandments. But the contention or the conflict that I find myself engaging in with people quite often is that there are still many people who believe that he said this for a different reason than that. They sincerely believe that he said this in order to give us instruction today in how we are to live the Christian life, that we are to live a life to be guided by the commandments of God. But the truth of the matter is that we do not live in obedience to the commandments of God, and so this is a life that can never be lived, a life that will never be experienced. And so the question is, is why did he say this? And my answer is, is that he said this for the purpose of leading us to a point of acknowledging that we will have absolutely no hope, no hope whatsoever outside of the grace and mercy of God. And this is why he said this. Now, when reading through the scriptures, it's very important to see the division in the scriptures, that there is a distinct division in the scriptures. There was an old covenant and there is a new covenant. And the new covenant, according to the prophet Jeremiah, is not like the old covenant. And so if you believe that the new covenant looks like the old covenant or is similar to the old covenant or is the old covenant that has somehow been renewed even, then you do not believe in the new covenant. You have the wrong covenant. He said that the new covenant would not be like the old, and so if what you say is the new covenant is like the old, then it definitely is not the new. There is a clear distinction between the two covenants. The old covenant was a covenant on the basis of our obedience to the commandments. If we would obey, then we would be blessed. 
The new covenant is very different. It's on the basis of what he has done already for us, not what we may do for him. This is a very important distinction. And it's very critical to understand also that the reason why the Lord Jesus was teaching the old covenant, because he was, he was teaching the old covenant, the reason why was because that was the covenant that was in effect until after he died. It was only after the death, burial, and resurrection that the new covenant went into effect. And so prior to his resurrection, he was teaching the old covenant. Let me give you an example. Consider Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. All right, now look at what he's saying. He's saying very clearly that the forgiveness that you receive from your God depends on your forgiveness that you give to others. And so if you do not forgive others of everything that they have ever done and, of course, will ever do to you, then your God will not forgive you. And so think about that for a minute. Is there anything that you can think of? Are there any people that you can think of? Is there any circumstance? Are there any people that were involved in these circumstances that hurt you and violated you in a very distinct way, and you have not completely, fully forgiven them? Now, I understand that you might say off the top of your head or out of your mouth that you do forgive them, but I'm asking you in the depths of your heart, Do you sincerely believe that you have fully, completely forgiven them, that you no longer hold that sin against them, that it is not even on your mind anymore, that you are not looking at that sin ever again? Do you sincerely believe that? If you do not forgive them, then you will never be forgiven by your God. You will never experience the forgiveness of God. You will go to hell. That's what he was saying. Now, he certainly was not saying that in order to try to encourage you to forgive people any more than you already have. That's not why he was saying that, because if that's the case, then you have just been given an instruction, a commandment that you will never be able to obey. It's never going to happen. And the purpose of that was to clearly show you that you could never forgive your brother, that you really are sinful. That's the purpose of this, to use this for a different purpose than to show a person that they are sinful is to totally abuse and misuse and twist the word of God for a purpose that it was never intended for. You cannot continue to do that if you want to know your God. I'm very serious about that. Do not underestimate the importance of acknowledging this. The new covenant is very different. The new covenant is forgive others as you have already been forgiven. There is a very strong distinction between the two. Either you forgive others so that you can be forgiven, or you forgive others as you have already been forgiven. Now, I realize that people will want to follow that up with, now that you have been forgiven, you better forgive others in the way that you have been forgiven, otherwise you then won't be forgiven. Well, that's a circular argument that will definitely lead you down a path of total emptiness and destruction because, again, it will depend on your ability to forgive and you will not forgive as God forgives, unless, of course, you're God. And so tell me, are you God? Well, of course you're not God. Are you like God? No, of course you're not like God. And so you're going to have sin in your life. And if it's not this one, then I'm sure we could pick another one. But I think that this is probably one that everyone will be able to identify with. 
Consider Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 and 44. This is Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How are you doing with that? Are you kind of improving in that area? Are you getting closer to experiencing that in your life? Well, that doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. The Lord never said, try to do this. He never said, give it your best effort. Continually live your life to try to live a life that you can never live. Continually try to be a person that you will never be. That's not what he said. He said, do or do not. There is no, there is no try. You either obey or you do not obey. You are either going to be blessed or you are going to be punished. And there is nothing in between. I look at this way of life that people are trying to encourage us to live as sort of like jumping to the moon. Consider this, if you're in your house, or maybe even walking along on the street, listening to this on a portable radio, consider this, consider if the moon was just above you, if it was just that time of day, if it was that time of the year, and the moon is just above you, I want you to take a moment and jump up to the moon. Really jump, I mean, give it your best effort. Jump right up there in the air, jump. Try it out. Now try it again. Jump. I know you didn't make it the first time, and so jump again. Jump up there to reach the moon. Now you may not be able to do it today, but don't worry. Tomorrow, tomorrow your muscles will improve. You'll gain some additional strength in your legs. You probably will be able to get a little closer to the moon. And so jump again. Jump for the moon. And jump hard. And keep jumping. And that's what people are doing. That's exactly what people are doing. When someone comes to me and says that the Lord Jesus told me that if I love him, I'll keep his commandments, that's what I've got in front of me. I've got a moon jumper. I've got somebody who thinks that they're going to live their life just jumping up and down, jumping, 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 hoping that one day they'll reach the moon. And you know what? They're not going to go anywhere. They'll go up a little bit, and then they'll come back down and and end up in the exact same place. You're going to jump and jump and go absolutely nowhere. And you may certainly be saved, no question about that. But there is no way, absolutely no way, that you will ever grow in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. You're going to remain a baby in Christ. And if this is what you believe, then you're nothing but a sucker. And I'm not wanting to use that word in a derogatory way. I'm using that as it correlates and as it parallels to being a baby. You're just a sucker. You've been deceived, of course, into believing something that isn't true. But you're also a baby in Christ Jesus who is never going to grow. And that is really sad. Now, you may grow in a lot of Bible knowledge. You may know the scriptures. But there's no way that you're ever going to know the person of Christ Jesus. It will not happen because you're still jumping for the moon. And you're jumping up in the air. And you're jumping and you're jumping and you're hoping One day you'll reach the moon, and you never will. You will never obey the commandments of God. And so you will never be loved by your God. You will never be accepted by your God. But people are thinking about this. They're thinking, well, I'm going to do it because, maybe not because I want to be accepted by him. Maybe maybe not because I want to be saved. Maybe not because I want to be loved by him. Maybe I'm going to do this because I'm thankful for what he did for me. Well, if that's what you believe then you are obviously not thankful for what the Lord Jesus has done for you because you do not obey the commandments of God. 
If you do not obey the commandments of God, then you are definitely, obviously, not thankful. And you know what? You will never, ever be thankful any more than you'll ever be able to reach the moon by jumping in the air. Another thing that people consider is, well, I'm going to do this because I want to please my God. Well, if that's the case, then your God for the rest of your life is going to be totally, absolutely disgusted with you because you are never going to be pleasing to him because you're never going to be obedient. You're never going to repent. And so when people ask me, well, what role does repentance have in a believer's life? Obviously, it has no role in your life because you do not repent. You do not turn completely away from your sins, never to ever commit them again. You may ask, well, what role does obedience have in my life? Well, obviously, it has no role in your life at all. It has no role in your life, and so why are you asking me what role it might have in my life? It has no role in your life because you do not obey the commandments of God. And if you think you do, if you think that you obey, if you think that you repent, then you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Because if you were truly repentant, if you were truly obedient, then there would be no sin in you. You would be like God. You would be God manifested in the flesh. A sinless person who lives a life of total repentance and obedience and does not sin. But that is not you. And so you are a liar and the truth is not in you. It is important for everyone to come to this point in their life when they finally give up. You must give up. You must give in and recognize that you can have absolutely nothing that you are totally hopeless outside of the grace and mercy of God. Tell me something. Can you truly say, in the deepest part of your heart, can you say, my God is pleased with me? Can you say that? Can you say, my God is not ashamed of me? Think about all those secret sins that you have that you know nobody else knows about. Think about those for a minute and then say that. Say that with full conviction. God is pleased with me. God is not ashamed of me, even though there's these little secret sins that nobody knows about. Can you say that? You cannot say that. Not if you believe that his acceptance towards you is dependent on you. If you're ever going to be pleasing to him, if he's ever going to look at you and not be ashamed of you, there's only one way that this is ever going to occur, and that's if he simply no longer holds your sins against you. And if he no longer holds your sins against you, then he is pleased with you. And he is pleased with you not because of what you have done, but he's pleased with you because of what he did. When he died for your sins, and so the sin issue between you and your God would come to an end, he is now totally pleased with you. He is able to be pleased with you. He is able to fully accept you. He is able to look at you and say that he is not ashamed of you because of what he did for you, not because of what you did or because of what you think you might be able to do, but only because of what he has done. And so when you sin, when you sin, the Lord is not going to look at you and say that he is displeased with you. The Lord is going to look at you and acknowledge that, yes, you are in this condition, he doesn't need to ignore that, but that he doesn't hold it against you because he died for that sin. Now, this is the transition point. This is not the new life that we walk in. The new life that we walk in is not a life of just going out and indulging the flesh because he doesn't hold our sins against us anymore. But you need to understand something, and that is that if you don't come to the point of acknowledging 
that you have this freedom in Christ to actually go out and indulge the flesh if that's really what you want to do anyway. If you don't acknowledge that this is the situation, if you don't rest in the truth that the sin issue is truly over, then there is no way that you can walk through the door that has been opened to you to enter into the new covenant, to enter into the new life that has truly been presented to us in Christ Jesus. There is absolutely no way that you will ever know what that is. You won't even come close to it. It will be as if it is on the other side of the moon and you keep trying to jump to the moon and you'll never make it to the moon and so you'll definitely never make it to that which is beyond the moon. You will never know what this is. Now, seriously, I understand and I sincerely believe that we should expect to see a change in a believer's life. If a person comes to faith in Christ Jesus, there's no question that we should expect to see a reduction of sin in that person's life to some degree. We should certainly expect to see some manifestation in their life and so that they are beginning to live in obedience to our God. There's no question about that. I'm certainly not arguing that. The problem, the argument, the question is, is what is going to be the origin behind it? What is going to be the dynamic behind those demands? And if this is what you're believing, what I've been describing, if this is what you're believing, then you're suggesting that we just need to tell people to stop sinning. And you're suggesting that we just need to inform people of the things that they should be doing. Tell people what is evil and so that there is no confusion about what is evil. Tell people what is good and so that there is no confusion about what is good. And maybe even threaten them that if they do something that is evil, then God will punish them. And maybe even promise them that if they do that which is good, then God will bless them. That's all you've got. That's all you have. And I'm telling you right now that that will never work. That will never, ever transform a person from the inside. That will never change a person's heart. And without the transformation within a person that can only take place through an interactive relationship with the Lord Jesus, without that, you don't have anything. You have absolutely nothing, but at best we could probably describe it as behavior modification, a psychological approach to trying to get the flesh under control. But that's not it. That is not the new life in Christ Jesus. There is a completely different way of life a completely different relationship that has now been instituted as a result of the forgiveness that we have now received in Christ Jesus, that he no longer holds our sins against us, and so there is no law that we are governed by. This is important to realize. If you do not realize this, if you never come to the point of acknowledging this, then there's no hope for you outside of being a professional moon jumper. That's the best that you'll ever be able to hope for. Now, this is the point of decision. This really is the point of decision. If you do not believe what I'm saying about the ministry of the Lord Jesus, if you don't believe me when I tell you that he said those things for the purpose of burying a person, for the purpose of condemning a person, so that they would finally acknowledge that they have no hope outside of the mercy and grace of God, if you want to believe that this really is to be applied in our daily life, then this is the end of what I can do in order to contribute to your faith. There really is nothing more that I can do to contribute to your faith. There is nothing that I can tell you with regards to the new covenant, with regards to the new life in Christ Jesus that we have that will be of any benefit to you at all. Because everything that I teach does depend on recognizing the distinction between the old and the new covenants. Everything really does depend on that. 
But if you are willing to acknowledge that the reason why the Lord Jesus said, keep my commandments, is to show you that you would never keep his commandments and to show you that you will never love him, and to put that aside, realize that that's what he said, that's why he said it, acknowledge it, use it for the purpose that it was given, and now set it aside. That has nothing to do with our life now. That has to do with us coming to the point of salvation, but has nothing to do with how we continue to live our lives. If you're willing to accept that and believe that, I mean really, if you're really willing to come to believe that that is truly what he was saying, if you can really reach that point, then you can move on. Then you can truly move on. And this is what I strongly suggest. The first thing that you need to do that I strongly encourage you to do is gain a more comprehensive understanding of what the gospel is. And I have produced many CDs on this topic and I've written on this topic as well, that you need to have a more complete understanding of the gospel. You need to understand not just sin and forgiveness, but you need to understand also death and the restoration of life. That the Lord Jesus died for our sins so that he could restore to us the life of God, the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam. That's the first thing that I would strongly encourage you to do, is to spend some time gaining a much better understanding of the gospel in that context. The next thing that I would strongly encourage you to do is study even more the subject of forgiveness. It's vital after understanding the gospel, it's vital to continue to grow in your understanding of the subject of forgiveness. And I have done six radio programs that are also freely available on our website, and I can send you the CDs for those too, as well as on the gospel. Understanding forgiveness is then the next important subject to really understand. If this is where you're at, if this is where you're at in your faith, then this is definitely the next subject that I would encourage you to pursue. First, the gospel, and then a much greater understanding of the subject of forgiveness. And there are various topics that I covered on the subject of forgiveness in those programs. I would strongly encourage you to pursue those. Then if you can make it that far, if you can understand the forgiveness that we truly have, that the sin issue is truly completely over and he doesn't hold our sins against us anymore, if you can really understand that, not just that, but overcome many of the false teachings that people present all the time that contradict that very truth, They may not be doing it intentionally, but it does contradict that fundamental truth. If you can get past those, then the next thing that I would encourage you to pursue an understanding of is the will of God. And I don't mean the will of God in the context of what does he want you to do today or tomorrow. I'm referring to the will of God in context of the inheritance that has been described in his will that you have now received as a result of his death. And I did four programs on this subject the will of God, and I would strongly encourage you to listen to those programs after you get past forgiveness. And then if you can make it that far, if you can make it that far on the subject of the will of God and the inheritance that you have received, then I sincerely believe you can begin to truly mature in your faith as a believer. I sincerely believe that if you can make it that far to understand your inheritance, because truly, I sincerely believe 
that our maturity in Christ Jesus really has a lot to do with our understanding and our application of what we have been given in Christ Jesus and how we live our daily lives with what we have as opposed to what we think we might be able to get through our obedience or through our repentance. Those are two completely different ways of life that have nothing to do with each other, absolutely nothing. And so if you can make it that far, then the next series of programs that I would sincerely encourage you to listen to are definitely the programs on spiritual warfare. The programs that I did on spiritual warfare were not done in the traditional context of spiritual warfare in the way that we think of it in the predominant Christian world that we have right now. I talked about spiritual warfare in the context of law and grace, that there is a strong distinction between law and grace. And I could suggest that you listen to those first, but to be honest with you, I don't think that you will fully appreciate those programs until after you understand the gospel, you understand the forgiveness that we have, and you have a little bit of an idea with regards to the inheritance that you have received. If you have an understanding of those subjects, then I sincerely believe that the Spiritual Warfare series will be of great benefit for you, and that will solidify more in terms of the historical context and the battle that we are engaged in, this struggle that we have between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the struggle between law and grace, because we truly have an enemy that is in our lives. He is definitely actively involved in our lives, and I sincerely believe that this subject is the primary subject that he is involved in, not because he's trying to keep people from salvation. He is, most certainly, but I believe that he's involved in this subject because if he can get a believer to believe that their God is not pleased with them, that their God is ashamed of them, that their God does not love them, that their God does not accept them, then they can be paralyzed in their growth in Christ Jesus. They can be paralyzed from ever even being used by the living God, really, in such a way that it would be as if they were lost. And in fact, it can be even worse. They can be even more destructive because people will blaspheme God because of the lives that people live and the attitudes that they have in their heart. It's a very difficult subject to understand and appreciate without really understanding the forgiveness that we truly have. And so that would be the order that I would recommend in terms of further study in this subject. The intent of the previous program and today's program was just to be a transition point, to be a presentation, to transition you, to really make the decision, are you going to truly try to live a life you cannot, jumping to the moon, or are you going to put it aside? And if you are willing to put it aside, then these are the recommendations on where you can go next in order to begin to understand the new covenant and to see the new life that is really before you if you truly believe in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.